0: This is Macro Horizons Morning Musings. I'm Ian Lingen, here to bring you our thoughts from the trading desk for Wednesday, May 6th. Not quite Thursday, and certainly not Friday. Welcome to BMO COVID-19 Insights. Visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19 for more up-to-the-minute insights.
1: The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.
0: There are a couple things on the calendar today of note. First up is the ADP Employment Change Report. The consensus is for a decline of 21 million jobs. This will help further refine expectations for Friday's non-farm payrolls report. While the consensus for Friday's number is comparable, roughly down 21 million, we maintain that the context for such a sharp decline will be largely lost on the investment community. If for no other reason, then on the flip side, there will be job gains. Now, some of the losses will be permanent, but we won't really have a true sense of how that will play out until well after the first half of the year. As a result, we continue to anticipate that the market will largely discount some of these dismal economic reports. So that means that with 10-year yields at roughly 68 basis points this morning, we don't see a negative 21 million ADP print truly altering the broader macro narrative at this stage. In addition, we also have the May refunding statement. Expectations are for 42 billion threes, 29 billion tens, and 20 billion 30 years. The 20-year will be introduced in May, but that's expected to be announced on May 14th, with a size of roughly $14 billion at this point. Risk assets have continued to perform well, the 10-year yield remains well anchored in the range, and efforts toward reopening the U.S. economy have continued. The White House has advocated for a swift reopening, with Trump commenting that, quote, Will some people be affected? Yes. Will some people be badly affected? Yes but we need to get our country open and we need to get it open soon. There's an underlying tension in the timing of the easing of lockdown restrictions, which is centered around the economic cost of extending the pause until it is universally safe to resume normal activity. The realities of the pandemic are such that COVID-19 cases and fatalities will continue long after the US is open for business once again. It's the trade-off between limiting the permanent damage to the economy and protecting those most vulnerable to the coronavirus. This implies not only a phased-in resumption of activities, but also different restrictions and requirements for certain subsets of the population and labor force. As these strategies begin to take shape, investors will have a better sense of which sectors will continue to struggle indefinitely. Think air travel and hospitality, and those that can effectively pick up where they left off in March. It's rather telling that the current discourse is focused on estimating the economic value of life saved as the worst non-farm payrolls in history rapidly approaches. This speaks to the unwillingness of the market to reprice further as a function of the known dismal data from the pandemic period. Eventually, there'll be greater clarity on the number of jobs permanently lost due to COVID-19, although that point is still months, if not quarters, away. For the time being, many of the incoming measures of economic activity are simply being placed in the too-weak-to-ponder category. In light of Trump's effort to deliver the blame for the pandemic to China, it's unsurprising to see chatter regarding the risk that one of the largest holders of U.S. treasuries decides to sell a portion of their holdings in retaliation. Two points of clarification here this is an extremely low probability event, and we actually don't expect it to come to fruition. And second, the chatter we've seen isn't anything official, simply analysts going through the thought experiment. Nonetheless, as is so often the case, whenever there's tensions between Washington and Beijing, treasury purchases and holdings are brought into the discourse as a proverbial carrot and stick. The tick data offers some background on just how relevant Chinese purchases in U.S. Treasuries X bills have been over the last several years, and what we see is that the nation has actually been a significant net seller since 2014. With only a few months of net buying, losing this source of foreign sponsorship for U.S. debt has already occurred, and 10-year yields are still below 70 basis points. Now, aggressive selling of existing holdings on the part of China is an entirely different analysis, one which leads us to assume that in the highly unlikely event that China were to engage in retaliatory selling of its foreign reserve holdings, the response of investors would be counterintuitive, given the Fed's significant footprint in the secondary market for treasuries at this moment. A non-economic seller would initially spike yields, to be sure, but the flight to quality emerging quickly in the aftermath... Would be a more significant driver and leave rates below the departure point. Just food for thought as we await the ADP figures. And with that, this is Ian Lingen signing off. Stay safe, tune in, and stop out. Thanks for listening to Macro Horizons. Please visit us at bmocm.com backslash macrohorizons. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. So please email me directly with any feedback at ian.lingan at bmo.com. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more insights, visit bmocm.com Slash /covid-19
1: This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Inc. and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO